The American dream inspires many, but it's not without its flaws. The reality is people experience workforce discrimination in many forms. It's time to open our eyes and have challenging yet enlightening conversations. It's not always easy, but we need to start in order to make a difference. That conversation begins here. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Welcome back to the Untapped Podcast. I am your co-host, Emmett, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jeremy. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Nina, who has been kind enough to share her stories with us. Nina began her career in the energy industry, but due to a toxic work environment, she changed career paths and decided to become a teacher in China. As fate would have it, Nina is now in the oil and gas industry, and we are thrilled to have her. Nina, thank you for coming on our show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So to kick things off, tell us a little bit about your education and career background. I graduated in 2005 from Texas Southern University with my bachelor's degree in accounting, and I completed MBA um, at Texas Women's University in 2010. So I have two degrees, and in 2005, I began my career starting out in the healthcare industry. I actually worked uh, two, just a few years in the healthcare industry as an accounting analyst. So um, I spent a few years traveling. Um, I lived in Chicago and Charlotte, North Carolina. And then I transitioned back to Houston, where I started out um, in the energy industry. And so I was in the energy industry close to 10 years. Um, and then I decided to take a short break and completely left accounting and went to go teach English as a second language in China and to travel the world. And then with COVID and everything happening, I actually ended up back in the States earlier this year. And I am now back in the oil, I'm in the oil and gas industry working in accounting. All right. That's great. So why transition from the energy industry to teaching and then to the oil industry? So I experienced in the energy industry, I was in a very toxic work environment. We had a lot of things going on in the company. We went through a lot of bankruptcies and acquisitions. It was stressful. It was uh, crazy. And, and I just needed to take a step back and ask myself, is accounting something I still wanted to do? Um, I've known since the seventh grade that I wanted to be an accountant. So I really worked all of my life to um, do accounting. I love numbers, love working with numbers. So I've just kind of stuck with that. And then so after just experiencing the chaos in my career, I decided, okay, I need to take a step back. And one of the the things that really kind of drove that decision to leave the energy industry was in 2013. So um, from 20, 2007 to 2013, I probably had um, maybe three promotions during that time. And I was under a different, a good leadership team and I felt supported in my, in my career and what I was doing. And then in 2013, the company underwent a, le- a change in leadership. So we had an entirely new executive team and we had new people in the accounting leadership. And so I experienced, I'm going to say probably some sexism and a little, just some discrimination. So I I was promoted to a manager. So this is my very first role as a manager. I'd never been been a manager before. I had six people on my team reporting to me and my supervisor who was under me was a white male. And of course, I, I was able to, you know, access to everyone's benefits and uh, their compensation. And 
I noticed he was getting paid more than I was, and I was his manager. And wow. I was like, wow. So, okay, so I'm doing, you know, the manager duties, doing all the work, having the burden placed on me, but yet I have someone who was under me, and they're getting paid more than I was. And I, I was shocked. I was shocked that they would even, you know, even knowing that I could see this information and they still, you know, I, I was getting paid less. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't bring it up to HR at the time, but I just, I talked to, I did talk to my direct supervisor at the time and she mentioned, oh, well, he has more experience than you. I was like, this is, this is not, this is not okay. This is, I, I don't like this. And then what kind of pushed that decision along is now in my role, like I said, I was a new manager. I'd never been a manager before. I had never um, led people or, and so I had, they gave me no support. There was no training, no development. My supervisor, she would not come in till 10 a.m. and she would leave at 3 p.m. I would literally have to try to schedule and put time on her calendar to have her even just to sit down and talk to me. And so that situation was just toxic and I found myself with, it got to a point where it was impacting my health and I decided I had to make the decision to get out of there and that I could not allow this position to jeopardize what I had worked for all my career. And so I decided to step away and um, leave the industry. Wow. So when you, you transitioned into teaching um, and then you went back to the oil industry, tell me about that. So after working all of that time in, in the energy industry, I really just wanted to take time away. I wanted to go travel the world and I was looking for an opportunity to still, you know, be able to have insurance and, and, and have some compensation. And so there was an opportunity that I actually saw on Instagram that to where, you know, they were asking, did you want to go teach? Can you go travel the world? And so I was just in a place where I was like, I absolutely, this is what I want to do. And I accepted that opportunity. I saw it. I jumped right on it. And, you know, off to China, I went to go teach for a little less than a year. You know, I'm glad I took that break because that gave me an opportunity to step back and do some self-reflection, to ask myself important questions on, you know, what is it that I want for my life? What is it that I want for my career? And after teaching children in China and being, you know, I can quickly realize that teaching little kids was not for me. <laughs> and so um, I made my way back to the States. And, you know, as fate would have it, I um, was, was offered an opportunity to go back to accounting in the oil and gas industry. Spending that time in China, what was that experience like? Oh, China was interesting. It's actually one that I'm uh, writing a book on. China was, it was, it was nothing that I could have ever imagined. I could not, being Black in China was just a whole experience. I could not, you know, I could not walk to the bus stop and catch the train or, or catch the bus without, you know, someone staring at me or taking, taking out their phones and taking pictures of me. And then I would walk into the school where I was teaching. And because, you know, I understand that I'm different and it's not like, um, you know, I'm common or people that look like me are common there. Um, parents would just stare and there were occasions where people would just come up to me and touch my hair. I'll never forget um, a story when I first walked into one a classroom, I was getting um, I was observing a, another teacher and this little girl 
this little girl, Bonnie, she took my hand and she rubbed my hand to see if she could rub this, the color off of my hand. And I, and I, I didn't take offense to it because I understood that she has never seen anyone that looked like me. And, you know, it's just not common, right, that someone Black is in, you know, in an Asian country and I'm different. And so she she rubbed my hand to see if she could rub the color off. And then she just smiled at me. And then she took my hand again and she tried to rub it again. And she and then she just stood at me and she just smiled in amazement. And so that started to help me help open my eyes to see, you know, that some people are not exposed. And so mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who just don't know um, because they've never seen anything outside of what they know uh, or what they see all the time. And so in the workplace, it was I have never experienced racism the way that I did in the workplace while I was there. The jobs that we had, you know, there were community facing events where the teachers would go out and give a demo class to the community to try to get parents, encourage parents to sign up. The teachers who were black were not selected to participate in those community facing events. It was always white males or locals. And there were job ads. So WeChat is a is a popular app that's used over there. And there's a lot of lot of things, a lot of jobs and stuff that happen that they communicate about on WeChat. There were job ads that specifically said for white teachers only. Wow. And I remember talking with a coworker. He he sent a group, a group message and said, Hey, you know, I have a parent who wants extra tutoring for their children. You know, is anyone interested? And so I contacted him and said, Hey, I'm interested. I'm, you know, I'm willing to, to tutor and to help. And he replied back and he was like, I'm so sorry to say this, but they only want someone white. Oh my goodness. And I was I was shocked. And then even the company that I worked for, all of their marketing material when it came to when it comes to online, their marketing material was marketing marketing material was different. But when you were in China and you see the ads in the subway and the ads on the bus, it was only white teachers that were the face of the company in all the ads. I I just I was completely shocked and and you know i had a conversation with one of my teachers we had you know international teachers from many different countries south africa the uk a lot of different places and i was having a conversation with one of the teachers from the uk and and a teacher a local teacher asked him so you have black friends and he was like yeah i have you know i have black friends i'm friends with everyone and she said well aren't black people angry all the time and he was like, what? Like, I, I, but I wasn't surprised because there is, there is a big, um, so what they see on the media, like the, the, how the media here in the U.S. portrays Black people, that is in, like, other countries are seeing that and that's how they view people. That's how they view us, right? And so I was followed around in, in stores just trying to shop. Just day to day shopping, I was followed around. And I just felt like I was not valued as, you know, just as an individual there. And so 
being just being black in China and, and working in that environment was, you know, I'm glad I experienced it because I like I actually found it encouraging for me to just try to interact with them more to say, hey, you don't have to be afraid of me. I am a regular person just like you are, just like everybody else. I'm no I'm no better and I'm no less than anyone else. I'm I'm an individual. And so I am just I even thinking back on on that whole experience, I'm just flabbergasted that, you know, in 2020, because um, I was still there earlier this year that, that this is happening. And so it's it's sad to say, but it's the you know, it's the world that we live in. And so and it's impacting the world. So not just the U.S., but it's impacting abroad as well. How has the experience in China translated to how your opinion of the United States workforce is? I'm going to say we're a little we're a little more advanced because we have, you know, there's companies have discrimination policies and, and some other stuff. Now, whether they actually abide by them, that's a different <laughs> that that's a whole probably different conversation. But I do think we're more advanced than that. In in China, it was very blatant. And I don't even think that they realized that they were doing it, which is a whole nother problem in itself. Because it was so second nature for it to for it to be like that. And, you know, I have friends who I met that have been there for five years and, you know, they've just kind of been been living with it. And, and for them, right, they'd rather kind of take that chance over there versus kind of dealing with the discrimination we face here in the U.S. So. So what it sounds like is that. It's a, obviously a lot more overt there, and it's more subtle here. Wow. For me, what I'm hearing is we are the problem. We've, we've started the problem here in the United States. And instead of us fixing the problem, the other countries are basically saying, okay, well, since you treat them like this, then we can get away with it, too, for the most part. It's sad all the way around in, in so many parts. I can't believe what I'm hearing to to hear China uh, of all countries, which a lot of people in the military that I've spoken with have spoken highly of to know that they're not exposed to blacks and to treat blacks this way. Uh, oh, wow. It's it's not even hidden. It's just out there um, in the open. So being here in the States and we have, you know, companies having that discrimination policy in place that gives us a little more, you know, you I don't want to say comfortable that that, you know, you can't just blatantly do it. Um, however, we still have to do a better job of addressing it. I know for some of the issues that I've had in my career, I think I've been earlier on in my career, I was a to speak up about it for fear of losing my job, for fear of retaliation, for, you know, not kind of, I'm a non-confrontational person in general. So I just kind of took some of it and, and chalked it up to say, hey, this is life in corporate America and I got to fight anyway. But overall, we have got to do a better job. So now that you're back in the States and working in the oil and gas industry, how are things for you now? Things have been much better um, I think it it is helpful that I have people above me that look like me. Um, so we have the representation because I think representation matters when you 
are dealing, you know, when you're working in corporate America. So my supervisor looks like me and my my boss's boss looks like me. And so I think that that helps. We still could do just a better job of communicating. I mean, I've been in my role less than six months and I'm working from home. And so right now, you know, we're we're working to get things done. Cameras are off, right? So some people may not even know what I look like. And so that probably helps some, right? Because it's just, okay, we're coming together, we're teamwork, and, and we're going to get this done versus, you know, we're in the office. And, you know, one thing I, I was told before in my career is that I looked intimidating. And I'm like, I'm 5'9", and so I'm tall. I played volleyball in college. And, you know, I've been told I look intimidating. I'm a big girl. Like I, I can't, <laughs> I can't help that. Right. And so um, that's just me. And so I'm like, what? My look is intimidating that I'm just, I'm tall and I'm, you know, dark and, you know, I play volleyball. Right. So I, I'm athletic and that's intimidating for you. So I, I have, you know, struggled to understand that in my career, but obviously, you know, I, I try to let my work speak for itself and the product that I, you know, hand out, I give my all and, you know, I be kind and respectful to people. And so, you know, that's all that, that I can do. It, it's definitely interesting that we we have got to do better. And, you know, I'm thankful for podcasts like this who are giving the opportunity to people to share their story and to not have to hide behind, you know, I'm afraid to lose my job. I'm, I'm afraid to speak out because that's the one thing I think I've learned since 2007 and since leaving that toxic situation is that, you know, I'm no longer afraid to speak up and no longer afraid to speak out because that's the only way that it's going to get better is if we talk about it, we address it head on and we, you know, actively work towards it. Absolutely. What I find very interesting is something that you said, you talked about intimidation and that's something that I've had to deal with by the way we walk, by the way we talk, by what's on our resume is intimidating. And I look at it as a comparison. I'm not trying to intimidate anyone. And just like you, I'm five seven, buck seventy. And because I speak with confidence and because I speak intelligently, it's in, it seems like there's a an issue with, okay, well, that's intimidating to me. I don't want that to be a part of my team. I've dealt with that and I've seen that in interviews. So my next question to you is, do you feel that the key to solving some of these issues is for us to stop being so silent and start actually speaking up instead of us just staying in the background and saying, okay, well, hey, I'm just gonna deal with the situation. The job is paying me decently instead of bettering the situation to where it could help the ones that have to come behind us. Because remember, we're here right now, but we have a future generation that has to come behind us and they're going to continue to deal with the same problems. So do you feel that speaking up is the key? Yeah, we absolutely have to speak up. That is that is the only way that it's going to get better. Um, silence does not fix anything. It does not help. Like you said, the generation coming behind us. It, we have to, if, if, if we're not going to, if we can't fix it now, we got to, we got to at least start the wheel turning for the people to come behind us because it has got to get better. And 
you know, the one thing I, I did deal with before is I had a manager or a, a leadership, a guy on leadership. He was the, he was the, actually the chief accounting officer. And when I was resigning from that toxic situation, he pulled me into a conference room and he was like, so you want to resign? And I said, I absolutely am resigning. And he was, and he looked at my resume. He was like, well, if I was a hiring manager looking at your resume, I'd frown upon the fact that you were only in this position for six months and I wouldn't hire you. And so I looked at him and I said, well, I'll take my chances. And so I had to stand up for myself at that point um, because I couldn't, I couldn't let his intimidation or his bullying me make me afraid and make me feel like, well, this is the only kind of job that I'm going to get. What I had to realize is no, if, if I'm not accepted right here, where I am, this is not the only company to work for in the United States. And in this world, I have, there are other opportunities out there and I will go seek them if I have to, I'm, I'm going to go where I'm accepted, where, you know, I'm appreciated, where I'm valued, where I'm, you know, developed, trained and developed as a leader. And so I'm glad that I spoke up then because I, uh, some years later, he actually, um, he didn't tell me directly, but he told someone, he was like, you know, I really respect her for standing up to me. And, and had I just sat silent, he would have continued to, you know, walk over me. And I'm hoping that by me standing up to him, that he would not do that to other people. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, and I encourage people to speak up, speak up. And if, if they don't appreciate you, then they are not the only company to work for. There are other companies out there who will value you, who will pay you what you're worth and everything. And so we, we have got to speak up. That's the only way that this gets better. Definitely. So what would you like to see being done within the workforce to promote better working relationships between men and women? Because it's pretty obvious that that is a, a clear problem outside of the race issue. Um, it seems that there is a gender issue. So what do you feel? You know, we have got to number one, we have to respect people as people. Whether you are male or female, we are individuals. And I think it starts with respect. So if I respect you, I respect your craft, you respect my craft, then we can start having a good working relationship in order to start working out. There are some gaps that need to be filled when we're talking about compensation and, and equal pay. There are a lot of gaps that need to be filled there. But I think respecting each other will help bridge that gap. And then if people, if we can get hiring managers to be honest, that would be, that's where it starts. I mean, unfortunately, like we cannot, you know, we can't fix it on our own, right? I can't, I don't know what somebody else is making, but you do, right? And so just doing the right thing, being honest, being fair. Obviously, if you're hiring me for the job, then, you know, if somebody's in a lesser role, like the, on the hierarchy scale, if it's in a lesser role, then, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't have this discrepancy in pay. The hiring managers, HR, I mean, I, I understood HR, you know, this is kind of a function of HR to, to have that in place, right? So these kind of things don't happen. So respecting each other and, in, in, you know, would, would help 
bridge that gap in hiring managers, being honest and HR being involved. And I understand, you know, it's it's up to the hiring manager and everything on, on pay, but there are some companies have a skill to say, okay, if you're in this position and you can only be within, you know, this range of pay and kind of sticking to that and honoring that. Um, but I, that's a, I know that's a monster of a, of a task that, that, would need to take place, but it, it has to be started. And again, if we don't speak up about it, then, you know, they'll just continue on behind the scenes as if, you know, no one is watching. Yeah. And along the lines that you had mentioned as well, when it comes to discrimination, you mentioned bullying. Do you believe that most, if not all women experience some form of discrimination or even harassment in the workforce? Oh, yes, I, I absolutely believe that that there is on some form harassment discrimination um there i've been in the workplace where you know i'll see a male co-worker walk up to a woman and he's just stroking her hair and i'm like that is just inappropriate you cannot you cannot you cannot do that but again speaking speaking up when it happens we have to address it when it happens and right then and there and not wait you know years down the line to to say if we can address it when it's happening then we have a better chance of making the situation better wow the there's so many points that you're hitting on that 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 they resonate with me big time i've seen it 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 happens you talked about the pay scale thing, and currently what, what I deal with is they talk about the middling off. But I know that one of my colleagues is sitting over here making $8,000 more than me, and his education level is not even close to where I sit. So there, there's huge gaps that, that obviously need to be filled. And it's just to hear this is just, it's just wild, just to know that you as a female are going through that. And, you know, me as a male, you know, it, there's a lot, you know, we're, we're strong. We try to just take it. But from a female perspective, you're like, wait, they're still dealing with this, that, 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 and that. And it's good to know that you have people that are above you that look like you right now. That's still something that I'm struggling with. But how do you feel that untapped can play a role in fighting against sexism, discrimination in the workplace? You know, the more people that hear this, the more people we talk to is 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 a start for making this better. And then, you know, having the opportunity to get in front of maybe some HR leaders of companies and, and saying, hey, what are you what are you experiencing in your workplace or what are some of the common things that you the issues that, that you're seeing? And having that dialogue is is where it all is going to start. And and I will share one thing that I found, like, again, speaking up where it made a difference, right? So that company that I left, um, that I walked away from, a few years later, they actually, um, so I actually walked away from them in 2013, and they um, had an open position, I think in 2015. And I was working consulting for a company. And so they actually asked me, did I want to come back? And at that time, I said, I'll consider coming back if you pay me this. And I set the bar and I said, I'm not willing to accept anything less than this. This is where this is where our talking starts. And so if this is not an option for you, that's fine with me. I'm OK. I'll stay where I am. Or 
you can you we can start here. And so they actually accepted my offer. Now that offer was a lesser position than than I originally left, but I was getting paid almost eleven thousand dollars more than what I got paid. But again, had I just accepted, you know, taking that lesser pay, they that's what they would have paid me. But because I spoke up and you know stood my ground ground and stood firm, then that gave me an opportunity to to get what I was worth. You know, by sharing your story, talking to people and, and getting in front of people is what is is going to help us move the needle on this. That's powerful. I admire your strength. Just some of the things I heard today, just that 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 pain point is it, painful. But Emmett, did you have anything else? No, I'm good. Thank you again for sharing these stories. I mean, it's incredible, both your journey from the energy industry into China, we're experiencing all that, and then coming back here. And it seems like a lot of growth took place and has taken place. And it's amazing to see the positive change that, you know, those personal decisions has really made an impact. So obviously we're here to continue the, to continue the fight, to continue the conversation. So with that, yeah, if you have anything else to add for this evening, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I just want to say, um, you know, thank you guys for having me once again. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to share my story. I just want to encourage everyone again to speak up, to speak out. Now is the time we cannot sit back and just keep kind of digging that hole. It's time to it's time to stand up. It's time to stand firm. It's, it's time to know our worth, to know that um, we're capable. And like I said, if one company is not willing to to get you where you want to go then there's another company that will and so don't settle um and just keep keep speaking up keep speaking out so thank you guys for having me and i really appreciate you Absolutely. thank you thank you because th- th- this is just another eye opener and and just something to add emmett we were talking about this earlier before the call and i'm gonna share this with you nina so today a friend of mine had an interview her interview was supposed to be at 4 30. The manager, who is of different race, forgot her on her um, interview on today at 430 and didn't apologize for it. So, you know, and as a, a, a black woman, you know, these common things continue to happen. And some people just will just take it and say, oh, he just forgot. Give him a pass. But let that be me in that role. I'm going to get crucified if that was someone of the opposite race that is supposed to get interviewed. I, I just feel again that subject matter experts are being put into leadership positions and the true leaders are the ones who the subject matter experts that are sitting behind them doing all the work, doing all the legwork, doing everything possible to move up, but yet we still can't get beyond that. So I just needed to share that because that's a real life experience that's happening right now. And I just admire you on today, just taking the time to speak with us today. That, that is just huge. Thank you, Nina. And to wrap the show up, thank you, all of our untapped listeners, for tuning in again. We really appreciate your time this evening, and we will talk to you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'd be honored if you would review us wherever you listen to our podcast. We are actively looking for people of color to send us their resumes and career aspirations. So please, log on to untappedrecruiting.com to learn more.